Iowa everywhere. It's time for Miller and Williams on Iowa Everywhere. Presented by Prairie Meadows Racetrack and Casino. This is Iowa Everywhere. All right, guys, what's going on? Chris Williams and John Miller with you. We are uh, way early this week. And that's because we're just trying a few new things, and it is kind of crazy for both of us at the end of the week. John's going to be traveling, and I have. So I'm going to Portland next week, John, calling men's basketball. And um, so you know how that goes when you're going to be gone for – so I have meetings like all week with advertisers and stuff like that. So, yeah, I appreciate you. Where are you? You're heading to the West Coast too, right? I'm heading to Joshua Tree. Uh, for Yucca work Valley. or pleasure? For, for pleasure. Um, my wife and I, uh, 24th anniversary is next week. We've really never taken like a proper honeymoon. I mean, you might say we've done enough traveling, but anyhow, we're going to go out there and just uh, go into Joshua Tree. That was kind of something we both wanted to see. We've not really spent a ton of time in California other than like one week, you know, in 2019. Who is Joshua? It, I don't know why that's called a Joshua Tree. Um, you know, that's a great question. I am going to look that up um, before I go so I can pay, pay my proper respects. I don't know if he's related to Bono um, or what, but um, I'm going to go. We're staying. We're renting a house that's on the edge of Yucca Valley, and I didn't want to stay in Palm Springs. I wanted to be in the country because I love doing um, – open lens, open shutter photography. I like trying to take shots of the, of the Milky way on my iPhone. Well, you are something you go in, you leave your shutter open for 30 seconds. I mean, I took a shot of the Milky way when we were in Estes park back in August. That's on my iPhone. That's fantastic. So we just, we just keep peeling off layers of this John Miller onion here, you know, to me and, and grace, uh, grace and I are like, uh, we are kindred spirits. I mean, she turned 20 yesterday and whenever we're together, we're typically talking about time travel space, the infinite. And to me, just sitting, staring at the stars, uh, especially at a place that doesn't have light pollution, like, you know, Joshua tree in the middle of the death Valley. That's awesome. To so me. you know what you need to do is text our friend Sage Rosenfels. Cause he just went to Joshua tree like two months ago. Did he? Yeah. He was there th- during the Iowa Iowa State game. Him and asking him and his girlfriend went there for a while. Just what hit him up for the best, uh, you know, best inroads on hey. like mes- mescaline. Hey Sage, where are the best Joshua trees? <laughs> you know, like, which, little, which ones are better? Do you know any little peyote spots? <laughs> <laughs> so, correct me if I'm wrong. So. Me and my buddy, we did a guy's trip. This was a couple summers ago where he had a conference in Vegas mm-hmm. and we had to get to a high school friend's wedding in Los Angeles. So okay. he was like, fly out to Vegas. We'll spend a couple nights in Vegas and then we'll drive and we'll, okay. we'll drive to Los Angeles. I swear we saw like signs and stuff for Joshua. There's no there. doubt okay. down I-10. Um, I think, well, I think that's I-10. We were thinking of flying into Phoenix and then driving over because I always had in my head that that scene from the end of the Terminator's first movie, when Sarah Connor was at that little gas station and out in nowhere through the shrapnel. No, no, no. The, 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 the danger's over. It's just Sarah Connor. 
and she's you know it's a wide angle shot she's at a gas station out in the middle of nowhere desert and there's this long picture of a two-lane highway going off into the desert that's like on my bucket list to see oh that drive's awesome you should do that i thought that it was like phoenix to la but what I found out is that's more near uh, Zion National Park, which is, again, also on my bucket list. So anyhow, I would still love to drive from Phoenix to Ve- to, to L.A. or Vegas to L.A. just because I've never seen that type of country. It's I've cool. never driven through it. It's awesome. So I, w- I would be down with it. So two things. One, if you're going to do it, I would recommend not being completely hung over from the night before. That's a guarantee. Not yeah. going to happen. Since That's I don't a good drink. thing to to not have that situation going on. But and two, the plant med- the plant medicine does not give you hangovers. Two, one thing we did, which was great, and I would highly recommend to anyone, is we pulled over at a couple of Indian reservations. And Native American, the- can you please use a proper nomenclature, dude? Go ahead. Is that no for real? Like, teach me. Can you not say like? Is it? My, my guess is is the preferred nomenclature to borrow. I'm not Lebowski. trying to be insensitive. It is you know native. That. I know. I know that. I know. And I, I'm being a dick. No, I'm don't. Dick. No, you're not being a dick. This is male improvement. Uh, Miller and Williams. Like I didn't know that they weren't called that anymore. Right. I think Native Americans is the safe place. Okay. So we went over to a couple of Native American reservations and you go in and you sit at their bars and you have a couple of cold beers and sit there and talk to them oh it's phenomenal experience because they're just like oh white dudes from iowa just stopped in here and they appreciate it and they're like it's super cool we're talking to this old guy oh we had it was so awesome that's the fun thing about traveling and stop you know we we are all in life (laughs) grandpa john here again we are all in life so overly concerned with the destination. It's the journey that we remember. The destination sometimes is all almost anticlimactic or like, oh, whew. well, okay, I can scratch that off the list. But when you go back home and you tell your stories 10, 15, 20 years later, you don't say, you might say, oh, the destination was fun. But let me tell you about the stories and the people that we met along mm-hmm. the way. And that truly to me is absolutely a metaphor for this existence that we have. Everybody's so focused on the next thing, the next thing I am too, the next big thing, the goal I have, where do I want to take my company? What do I want to see my kids do? And when you're constantly focused on the destination, you're actually missing life that happens in the granule, the minute by minute. So don't take every minute for granted. Stop off, speak to your friendly Native Americans at reservations whenever you have a chance because you'll have a story to tell one day when you have your own podcast. Yeah, because I I didn't just tell you the story about, well, we arrived at Los Angeles and we went to the wedding. Right. That's a horrible story. Yeah. I could, I'd be like, dude, great. I love turtles. You know? I mean, tell me what happened on the way there. That's your story. That is- you know what? My headstone, my tombstone one day is going to say 1971 dash whatever year. Okay? The dash that nobody focuses on on the tombstone that's, that was your life. Yeah. That's where the story is. Make it a good one. Are we done here? And then we done. You're like falling to Costanza. I'm out. <laughs> Dude, I know when it's a high note. I'm done. Chris will take it from here. Chris, talk <laughs> about how awesome Iowa's defense is. Um, you know, talk about losing in the margins and then you're done. <laughs>
I don't I'm want sorry. To that was that was a cheap shot. But you I know don't what? want to talk about that anymore. Um, yeah. No, but to finish that thought, if I would do that trip again, because we yeah. did Hoover Dam and we did it all in one. I day. would love to see Hoover Dam. Well, there's not a lot of water there. There's either. no more water. There's a lot of dead bodies. There's not a lot of water. Yeah, a lot of people commit suicide there. I didn't. We did well, a lot of research on that. There's. I'm probably, guessing it's haunted. Uh, it's possible. Uh, probably some suicides, no doubt. But probably a few. Uh, no, there know, are people from from the Vegas from the Vegas mob that wind up missing that are in the bottom of Lake Mead. Well, so we had two straight nights of just like party Deba- debauchery days and nights and then we got up we're like well you know if we gotta get there at this time for the rehearsal we gotta you know we gotta and we want to go to hoover dam and we want to you know drive there and traffic we better get up at seven. Oh, good heavens yeah so i mean and we did it and you know we're just chugging gatorades the whole way i would recommend again not being hungover and on top of that Take a couple days to make that drive if you've never seen it before. Because there's like Death Valley. I would have loved to have driven through Death Valley National Park. Like we drove right by it. Like a couple of kids from Iowa were like, but we didn't have time. So give yourself time because it's a it's a really cool mm. area. Love that. Didn't have time. I guess we had to get sermon. to the it's another it's another sermon right now. You didn't have time. And again, you, though, like am I? You telling built no you margin these? into your life. Am I telling you any stories about those nights party in Vegas? No, we should have skipped one of those. Right. And we should have taken an extra night. And we should have stayed with the Native Americans. You can actually rent like teepees and stuff. There's hotels for that that are I'd air conditioned. I'd be down with that. I mean, the stargazing would be absolutely epic. Yeah. Think there's about nothing your else around there. Oh, dude, I'd be tricked out. I mean, it'd be fantastic. I'd be just sitting there, thirty second shutter speed open, staring at the stars. Asking the great grand questions about existence and are we alone in the universe and are we just late to the party and other civilizations have come and gone and killed themselves too and that's why we don't see one another. You know, it's the Fermi paradox in me. You know, some of that uh, fresh Nevada cannabis. P- potentially, I mean, California is right across the way, and uh, you go with the uh, OG Kush on that. So I've been told. We are presented, as always, by our friends at Prairie Meadows. We thank them for sponsoring Miller and Williams as we get into a little. So you you told me over the weekend, and you got to bear with the Clone Nation, okay? Can I can I defend? Yes, you can share it. You can share it. Go ahead. No, can I defend? Well, that people 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 don't even know what you're talking about. It's so. a highly. Oh, I'm getting to it. Just calm down. <laughs> That game on Saturday might have been the topper for frustration for me as an Iowa State fan. Oh, let me wow. Explain. Yeah, I know there's been worse times. Like I, But like when you're getting beat by 70 by Art Bryles and Baylor, it's really not that frustrating. That's a good it's, point. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, we suck. Right? Right. And Iowa State turned the ball over five times against an Oklahoma State team that I, I think that they're 21 points better than, mm-hmm. honestly. they. I actually tweeted that in the second half. If they don't win this game by double digits, well, I remember travesty. seeing that tweet. And they just kept finding a way to screw it up offensively. I mean, that, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of correlation between the Iowa football we've talked about in the past and Iowa State where you have this elite defense. The difference is that Iowa State's 
defense doesn't get in the end zone like Iowa's tends to. Iowa State's special teams aren't very good, even though they were pretty good on Saturday. And Iowa State is better offensively, but they turn the ball over at an increasingly high rate. So the whole play into the defense thing doesn't really work there. But it's the same conversation, John, in the sense that if you're just – if you turn the ball over two times or three times, you win that game by double digits, and it's really – not close. And that's a highly frustrating game because it was that game in the Kansas game where I, I I exited it and I'm like, God, we're we're just so much better than these guys. Right. And we just were they're finding ways to go out there and lose with this elite, elite defense, top ten defense in college football. And so John texts me. Man, there's some Riley Iowa State fans in my mentions. They're pretty pissed off. And that's because highly frustrating moment, and then you guys backdooring your way with the worst offense in college football, backdooring your way into another Big Ten championship game in a state where we are constantly put up against you. You have more resources and play inferior competition, so everybody's fired up. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, but here, listen, if I would have said anything to have deserved it, you know me, I'll bring it on. I mean, Chris, you, you've known me in my troll days and you've known me in my just, you know, you know, stargazing days, I guess, nice guy days. Right. And I, have I tweet, have I tweeted anything really? I don't think so. So what happened? So what happened was, is I'm making this like, 10 thread long tweet on Sunday morning. There's a set of writing articles. Now I do tweet threads. Fits my lifestyle better. So I'm writing a big old long tweet thread on the excellence of Iowa's defense, not just this year, but relative to the last decade or more of college football. Iowa is allowing 3.81 yards per play right now, which is number one in the nation. Number two in the nation is 3.99. I know that's only 0.18 yards per play difference. It's a big difference. It's a huge gap between one and two. Between one and 10, top 10 national defense and yards per play is pretty good, wouldn't you say? No doubt. Uh, The difference between number 10 and number one is 0.8, over 0.8, almost a yard per play difference. This is an incredible Iowa defense. It's been six years since a college football defense has – had a yards per play this low, Iowa's average the last five years in pass efficiency defense, in total defense, and in scoring defense, their average national rank is in the top 10 in all three of those categories over a five-year span. This is incredible. And they've played a top 25 schedule this year. So I'm just tweeting these things. I didn't say, hey, clone fan, look at this. Hey, (laughs) Iowa State fan, sucks to be you. Okay, I just made these posts. And the next thing I know, wham, bam, your schedule sucks. You guys suck. <laughs> Hawk sucks. Piss off. Go after yourself. I'm like, All right. What I feel I like do? there's a few things at play here. You, okay. you have a reputation. Now, you've worked really hard to erase that, and you are a changed man. And like this, but I, I'm just saying, like the amount of people. So I went out names two weeks ago. Yes. And first of all, the amount of buzz that Iowa everywhere has is incredible. Like it's amazing. Kansas City. How many people are coming up to me and talking about Iowa everywhere? Since we've started this podcast, 
there's a fairway meat market now in Kansas City. <laughs> Circa's actually opening a casino. Um, the I always get that. Oh, I love Iowa everywhere. Great job. Keep it up. But that and the Miller. second thing every one of them says is I used to hate John Miller and Chris Hassel. I thought they were pieces of shit. <laughs> and now you've convinced, like, they're actually decent guys. And, I, and, like, some of them actually like you, believe it or not. They think that you're a good guy. But, but the point is, for, for many, you're still just the spider guy on Cyclone Fanatic, John Miller, who's just there to harass people, and they haven't got to know this stargazing joshua tree version of john right. hippie you know right. you know your wife's feminism books <laughs> you know they don't know that side of you so my point is like cut them some slack and another thing can be true the the guys who are yelling on twitter are generally not the that's really not the audience we're talking to here like it, it can be it, it, some of the same but that's usually the more rambunctious do they add a lot of uh Unanimous usernames or anonymous usernames and all that stuff. Yeah, one guy one guy was like uh Hunter Biden's laptop and it is that was his like name. <laughs> and then his username was like at something psi. And I just went so I retweeted him to make him famous. And <laughs> that and was the, really and, his name. Yeah, and then I blocked him. <laughs> Cause I read so here's a little I'm, I'm gonna let you guys in on a little secret. I haven't tweeted this out. I've wanted to, but I'm not going to. This is a Iowa Everywhere podcast exclusive. Um, am I vain? Probably. Um, are we all most likely? So, but I'm also ornery. And as some of you may have noticed, the things I tweet about now are different than the things I used to tweet about six, seven, eight years ago. Um, the political takes, my political ideology has changed, if you will, based upon life experience, um, family trauma, let's just call it what it is, religious trauma. Um, and some of you don't like that change. And I pay $4.99, $4.99 per month to a service that lets me see who follows me and who unfollows me. Again, really? I admit there's some vanity there, but let me finish the story because this is more in line with the John Miller that you've always known. <laughs> the, reason why, the reason why I do that is when I make some political tweets, like I like I'm sitting at like 9,760 followers. I'd be probably over 15,000 if I didn't tweet anything. And I just started this account a year ago. If I didn't tweet anything political, but I like to get up there and then I then I go tweet some things, not to lose followers. I tweet things because I really care about them. But I watch the follower count, and whenever I tweet something political that I feels a fairly common sense thing like you know we shouldn't elect election deniers they shouldn't be on the ballot republicans can do better there are better candidates than people that denied an election that there's zero proof it was tampered with 10 20 30 people unfollow me okay? really yeah wow. so what i do is i go in i look to see the recent unfollowers i click on their names and i effing block them <laughs> Because I know how this works. You want the milk, but you don't want to pay for the cow. And you list me. You put me on a list, but you don't unfollow me, which satisfies your insanity. So what do I do? F you. I block you. <laughs> 
So you're paying four ninety nine out of spite, basically. Out of spite, and let me tell you, <laughs> the amount of joy I get every time I block QAnon people is is indescribable. <laughs> it's like the perfect thirty second long exposure shot at Estes Park. Love it. So anyhow, um, and that's, but then there's some people like I, I go and look at people's people that un, I don't just block everybody. Okay. I go, I click on somebody that unfollowed me and then I go look at their most recent 30 or 40 tweets really quick. It takes me 20 seconds. And if I see QAnon stuff and if I see just hyperpartisan stuff blocked, don't ever want to see you again. But if it's just somebody that doesn't want uh, political takes, in their sports escape. And I can see this person's not overly political. They probably just don't want to see me talking politics. That's fair. I don't block those people. Yeah. I don't block them, but it's the, uh, it's the QAnon folks. That so I you're do. saying so, a lot of these Iowa state fans were QAnon people. There, there might've been a few there. Okay. I don't, not all, not all people that are in the GOP are QAnon. No, I just want to say I that don't. for the record. And yeah, you don't. Absolutely. So, um, but there was three people who's, let's just say Hunter Biden's laptop would have been one of their favorite topics of last year. So I got no time for that. Even in my Twitter bio, I have I, then a block sign and the letter Q to my Twitter profile. Anyhow, I don't know how we got on that road. Other other than that means, uh, yeah, I block you. Q, Q QAnon. You like it? No, it, the fan thing's interesting though, because I actually, in a season like this and you've, you've had them, I mean, you were having one, four weeks ago it um it's it's funny like iowa state fans are actually way worse to me than iowa fans mm-hmm. yeah i know what you're talking about yep you've been there it, yeah mean, oh absolutely there's no doubt i mean i've been there this year yeah i mean the the amount of stuff that listen i've been very critical of this iowa football i've been critical since last year since the absolute last six games last eight games of last year were stab your eyes out boring and it's only gotten worse this year. The, uh, the, I've done. I've said pretty much everything other than fire Kirk Ferentz, and I'm not going to say that. I did that in 2014. I hate that. What it's is just it? you're not. He's not getting fired. What is it about fans? So like, I guess I I think I know the answer to my rhetorical, somewhat rhetorical question. But like fans, like why do they crave us to want to fire people so much? Because I think they see, and when I say I'm going to use, use the term us, I'm not including myself in this because I'm a washed up has-been that just has opinions now. I don't have any connections really to the program other than people just always sending me things. Um, they want, like any human being, they want their voice to be heard. And they feel helpless when they don't, they can't like have a direct line to somebody that maybe can influence the decision and they think that we do. And they don't. think by expressing their opinions <laughs> to us yeah. that that somehow, some way may make a difference or at least makes them feel that way. So that's why they do it. Very basic human psychology. Well, it's Dude, like, as, as you know, we are amateur psychologists and sociologists given our time on social media. There's no doubt. I mean, well, in the spent... message board days. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I always said that I, I should have done this. If I ever went to grad school back in the day, I wanted to do like for a thesis where you follow like a message board community or like actually not one follow like 10 of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you have to do it really. They're all the same as far as fans go in the sense that, you know, we all know how things are when things are going well, 
everything's great, everybody's clicking, everybody's boisterous, everybody's happy. When things aren't, there's always the guy who belittles the... There's the hyper-negative fan who wants everybody fired, and he goes after the fan that doesn't because they don't have high enough expectations, and it's their fault. Right. Right, and then that guy calls the critical fan a bad fan and we don't want and need you in this fan base and then there's the guy who well it's the media's fault because they Mm -hmm. don't ask hard enough questions right like it's i always thought it'd be fascinating you could do a book on it you could you could read it and this hypothetical person that would have to spend uh, a year on uh, 10 different message boards would basically come out of that year looking like if you went into like say one of these uh you know infrared saunas you know we're we're getting one put in our house an infrared sauna An that's infrared like, sauna yeah far infrared near infrared amazing health benefits um good for Raynaud's, which my wife has Raynaud's syndrome the cold causes so like it's, pain. so it it's kind of like a tanning bed but a sauna it's not a tanning bed. There's no. Uh, we're not talking ultraviolet uh, ra- rays or radiation. Here. Interesting. We're talking, yeah, never you, even heard I'll, of this I'll, thing. I'll send you a link to it. Yeah, I'd like to. Um, see it. But it'd be. It's a four by four contained room. So spending one year on ten message boards would be like going into that room and being subjected to the equivalent of a carton of cigarette smoke for an hour every day for a year, and you come out of that, you're going to die. I would not subject my worst enemy to a year on 10 different message boards doing any oh, type no, of research. You, you have the interns doing the uh, – yeah. they're jotting things down. But, you know, back to the core of what you talked about, there, there's the person – here's the thing. Every human being pretty much assumes and thinks their default mode is I'm right. Now we're at society where that default mode of I'm right also includes you're wrong. Yeah. It used to be I'm right – well, let's talk. Now it's I'm right and you're wrong. Nobody thinks their opinions are wrong. And even when I dunk on people on Twitter and logically destroy or eviscerate their arguments, they just disappear. They don't ever come back and say, you know what? You were right. Um, and, and quite frankly, I try to do that in my real life. But the reason is, is the realist thinks that the pessimist is the problem. And the pessimist thinks the realist is the problem. And the term pessimist and realist are terms that are given to the other side by the counter opinion holder. So these aren't even objective terms to begin with. This is just all psychology. So yeah, it's nonstop. If somebody has a more pessimistic outlook on things in life or what I view as pessimistic, I'm going to say they're a pessimist, but that pessimist thinks that they're rational. The hard and around, part and around, have- and around we go. The hard part I have with the fan thing every year or anytime things aren't going well is they get mad at the media for reporting on like, so like if Matt Campbell, Matt Campbell has a tendency, it's it's kind of an inside joke with Iowa State fans We're in the offseason. He's always asked about the offensive line because that's been their weakest position sure. in his tenure. And Matt will make some comment like, well, you know, we, we, we finally got um, – veterans in there and we think that we're going to have um we think we're going to be really strong this year we we, you know they've developed nicely and then like we report that and then the offensive line sucks again and then they the people come back and say well you told us they were going to be better right where I, i remember your old partner Dace uh, used to have a pretty good saying like well the other team has 85 scholarships too right like just because um I heard Hunter Deckers was having a really good fall camp. Doesn't mean 
that the other teams can't be better than him, right? He could still have a fall, good fall camp, and then things fall apart in week four, right? But they'll hold on to something that you reported to them in July. Right. Well, I heard that Hutchinson and uh, or whatever, and then it, like, I don't know. It's That's a hard thing for me because it's like, well, do you guys yeah. – do you want Matt Campbell in July at media days to be like, no, our offensive line sucks. Like, right. this is going to be a disaster. No, because then we would kill him just like we did Kirk Ferentz when he – or Brian Ferentz when he did the whole you – know, what what's that, the upside? Yeah, what's the upside stuff? That was Scott Frost's biggest downfall other than losing, in my opinion, is how he would throw his staff and players under the bus constantly. He never right. took responsibility for himself. So – I don't know. Now I'm just right. bloviating here. No, this is like almost a quasi-lifestyle podcast, a preview of that uh, often mentioned but yet to be fulfilled we, this, lifestyle podcast that we're going to do. This we is are going to do of, that. This is like a crossover. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Iowa fans went through the same thing this year. All offseason long, what they were hearing from members of the media was the offense gone out and hired an analyst, Bud Meyer, quarterback's coach, rather. And that the offensive line – yeah, offensive line's going to be much better, blah, 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 all these things. Well, the difference is this just wasn't like the media that was you know, trying to spin yarn. This was the messaging coming from the coaching staff to the media. And boy, did that boomerang and backfire. So, anyhow. It's, it's a hard spot because, I mean, you can only report what you're given. I'd be, I would probably, you know, I say this, but I talk too much, so it's probably not true. But I think I would try to be a coach that didn't say shit. Coach, what do you think your offense is going to look like next year? I'm like, well, we're going to we'll work see. hard, and I guess we'll see in, we'll see in September. Next question. Real okay. quick, Bill, yeah. Bill has next a question. question. Yes, Bill go ahead, has Bill. a question. Fire away. Bill says, I was curious your thoughts on Iowa State going forward on fourth and one from their own 25-6 to play in two timeouts. What was the score? Uh, Bill, what was the score? Jeez, Christ. I think they were down by six. They were down. It was the final score. It was down by six. And it's not like Ohio, Oklahoma State's offense is a juggernaut at this point in time. This is a program that is just struggling from injuries. Well, to me, they had put in Spencer Sanders, and they were starting to move the ball pretty consistently after that. Well, that, that's probably. Yeah. Iowa State's defense was beat down at that point. They had been on the field the whole freaking game. Well, if you're, if you're saying these things, and this is what you observed, I imagine Matt felt that times five i i loved going for it i hated the play call put it that way it was one of those stupid quarterback sneaks from the shotgun that's a bad that is not good that is one of the down things about the shotgun i don't understand it either because the game before they did a sneak in this in a similar scenario not score wise but on fourth down and they snuck because deckers is a pretty big kid did he take the ball under center yeah, and he and they got the first down, and then they went back to the stupid shotgun thing last week. So I hated the play call, right. but I didn't mind them going for it. Right. Yeah, and then the coach, you know, then you start to outthink yourself because the only time we go under center is in goal line or in uh, sneak. So it's kind of a tell when you oh my pretty much you exclusively the, go out of shotgun. Did you watch the Vikings Bills game? I did almost all of it. Um, I even tweeted out like I'm gonna have to tell my children about a Super Bowl contending caliber Minnesota Vikings team. How do I do that? Right here, baby. I see. I see it. I saw right it. Here. I'm I'm repping Vikings gear all week. Kirk Cousins all is, week. Kirk Cousins cannot win a Super Bowl. Well, Kirk Cousins. So this is another thing I wanted to about because you have experience. Kirk Cousins, I think, is part of this conversation. I 
have compared, and this doesn't seem great now when the Vikings are eight and one. Hunter Decker is a little bit like Kirk Cousins in the past. Now let me explain this to you. And you you have experience analyzing these Iowa quarterbacks where everything around them is not always in their control. Okay? Mm-hmm. We got a situation at Iowa State right now where I think they have a pretty good young quarterback. I, this is just my opinion. I like him. I mean, I every time a- I every time I watch him, I tuned in on Saturday. I'm like, this guy's arm is live. He's just a little loose. He doesn't see the field well right now. He's regressed from game one, which is a problem. But like, I got a lot of people tweeting at me wanting to bench the guy and. John, like, they have no running game. It's a bottom 20 running game in college football. The line stinks. And they've had four games now, John, in one possession games where they've dropped touchdown passes. Mm. Okay. So bench bench the quarterback, right? Well, and I get it. Here's my thing because people are, he's not making very good decisions right now. That, that, because he's trying too hard. Correct. Exactly. He's overcompensating now, and he's not seeing the field. He's moving 100 miles per hour. Everybody else is moving 60. Yep, yep, yep. That's a lot what uh, happens with Petrus. Petrus has nowhere near Decker's ability. Um, I always say all the time, George Brett, my all-time favorite baseball player, once said, sometimes you have to try a little easier. We call it, I guess, gripping nowadays, where you want to do so well so badly that – it affects your play. You are playing at like, you know, 45 RPMs when the LP calls for 33 RPMs. If you don't get that reference, sorry, go look up record players. Um, He's just, he's just playing on fast forward speed and he's doing it because he wants to win so badly and the offensive line inadequacies. Nobody knows that more than him. Probably a little football PTSD developing in every time he takes a, a snap out of the show. Can you imagine if he took most of his snaps under center and he had 0.7 seconds less time to read and react like Spencer Petras? Is that what happens to Iowa quarterbacks? Because they tend to regress. Like, is that it? Because I, I, the the one example I always use was um, Brett Meyer, who's a dear friend of mine. And I, he, you saw him play under average lines and without great running games for five years or for four years and by the time he was a senior man he was seeing ghosts every time he stepped back there's no there's no doubt and i think that is the case for some a lot of people want to point to drew tate his sophomore year the outback or the uh, capital one bowl um phenomenal performance people forget how many times drew tate would throw an interception early in the game and they just had that 2004 defense which before this year i would have put up as kirk ferentz's best defense this year i think is better um, and I've got the receipts to bring it up. But I think that then the next year in 2005, Tate's statistics actually were were pretty good. That 2005 offense actually put up some yards. 2006, Tate was dealing with, at a minimum, a strained oblique for nearly the entire season. So um, I think that Iowa has more year-to-year consistent consistency with offensive line play than has Iowa State. No <clears throat> Brett Meyer absolutely was seeing ghosts. Um, there's, and, and who could blame him? Um, Iowa quarterbacks, I, I just, I just think it comes down to a scheme. I think it comes yeah. down to a system. These quarterbacks get farther and farther removed from what they played in high school, which was shotgun wide open, and they get farther removed from their comfort zone. And I think this is a huge deal. Like I just said, it, when you take a snap out of a shotgun, 
it gives you an additional half second at a minimum to seven tenths of a second time to scan the field and make a play. When you take a five to seven set seven step drop out of taking the ball under center, all that time walking back, you can't accurately survey the field. At best, you're looking at your first primary read based on something you saw pre-snap. It's a waste of time. So, yeah, I mean, at this point in time, Deckers is just trying really hard to be the player that I would that he thinks Iowa State fans want him to be, and I can't fault him for that. He's still given his best. He's still he's trying harder now than he ever has. He's just trying too hard. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at too. It's good to have an objective read on that. Couple Iowa topics. One, do you want good or bad first? I'll let you pick. Cooper DeGene quickly becoming one of my favorite Hawkeyes of all time. Already, I just love I just love him. Love so, watching him play. I think I brought this up before. I can't remember if it was in this podcast or one of my own through the years. Many of us grew up in small town communities yep. in the state of Iowa, right? And each and every one of us has that one dude that yeah. we can name right now. Yep. Chris, who, who was who was who was the elite dude in your town that either Adam Carper grew up with? Adam Carper, my best. There you go, Adam Carper. Yeah. Right for me, Marv Cook. Yeah, oh, that's um, a good one. All you know American his son is an Iowa State. I do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I didn't know they were West Branchians. That's cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Marv. Uh, you know, recently uh, Bill Brazier passed away. Former uh, defensive coordinator under Hayden Fry came the came with Fry to Iowa. You know, in 1984, in June of 1984, maybe it was late May then, we were sitting on uh, the couch at Marv Cook's house at his high school graduation party and Bill Brazier sitting there talking with my dad. And we get down, I'm like, what do he say? What do he say? He's like, well, he said, he said Marv's going to be an All-American and All-Pro tight end before he's done. And I said, what are you talking about, Dad? He plays quarterback and defensive end. He doesn't even play tight end. <laughs> well, you know, Bill was right. So we we all we we all have that person's name. Yeah. Could be could be uh could be a female too. Um imagine growing up watching Caitlin Clark and other amazing players. Cooper DeGene, of course, was that guy in his town. But Cooper DeGene is the guy's guy. Where the Carpers and the mm-hmm. Cooks, if they all got together and say, Who's the best that you've seen ever and on tape? It might be a guy like Cooper DeGene. Mm-hmm. He, those of you old enough to remember the teen, the movie Teen Wolf, he's Teen Wolf. And when you see him right now as a true sophomore, and you see how cut he is, mm-hmm. how fast he is, how effortless it looks, he's so yeah. good. It, there's not an analog. I don't have an analog. Um, so, well, John, you know, you're are you saying he's better than Bob Sanders? I'm not saying he's better than Bob Sanders. I'm saying I don't recall an analog for someone that is playing cornerback at a level of a top 10 national cornerback as a true sophomore, having never played the position. He's he could go, he could go be a safety and be an all big 10 safety. He could go play the cash and be an all big 10 he could play quarterback. He he could do anything there. there when these are the kind really bad. I I swear yeah. to God, I thought the best move for Iowa to win games was to put him in at quarterback and just go wildcat. And he could do it. Absolutely, and they he, could win could that way. Might I not swear to God, they could long, win but... that way. If they could install the offense, listen. If they can win week, this way, they yeah, can win that way. They. It, but then you probably have to take him off a of defense, and I don't know if it's a net gain at that point. But like, I don't think I'm, that it is. I'm serious. That's how good he is, though. 
and he's yeah. played quarterback before. Like he's he's that elite athlete that, and I loved OABCIG. Right is where he came from. Battle <laughs> sounds great. You did it. I, I used I to call games there when I was yeah. doing prep ball, so I, I know the town. And like it's your, it's actually one of the most beautiful little settings of a small town that I've ever called a game at. They have mm. a phenomenal facility, but yeah, it's. It's cool. I, I like him a lot. I, I not just because he's good. I just think his. I, I remember seeing highlights of him in the dome when he was in high school, and it's just like this dude is this guy's different. It's, be rooting it's, for be rooting yeah. for him in the NFL as well. Yeah. It, it's the, it's in, it's insane. And and I tweeted out his basketball highlight tape the other day just to say this is like he's a unicorn. Yeah. The last one is this Caden Proctor story. Have you looked into it at all? And and I'm being ignorant here. I'm not trying to troll Iowa fans. I just want everybody to know that. He visited Oregon over the weekend. Is this a deal where a kid wants to free visit and go have some fun? And Or are you at all concerned about this? I mean, okay, when I say I'm concerned, it doesn't like occupy my mind any, more, any longer than us talking about it. Is an Iowa know. fan. Right. Let's just say, Jen, I think Iowa fans that are really into this, um, and, and listen, I, I want them to be as good as they can too. So I'll let myself. I think there's cause for concern. I think this is about a bag, and if if the Proctors want to get paid incredibly well, as you know, Caden is a, a student on campus and not waiting necessarily to the NFL to get really, really paid. He'll get some NIL money at Iowa, but um, yeah, I, I think Oregon's offering a seven figure bag. Yeah. As, at Iowa, you're probably looking at like the 50 grand or something like, I don't, I have no idea. Yeah, what I don't, would be I, I don't. Yeah. But I don't It's a different either. deal over there. It, it for sure is. I mean, there, there are reports that um, Kevin Casper's son, uh, was offered a seven-figure bag. I don't know that to be that that to be true. Seems like kind of a stretch to offer you know a receiver that that's like not. I'm telling you yeah. this nil thing. It's so the there there's going to be a bubble here, and I'm not being I'm I think the players should get paid. I think it's stupid. I think these collectives. I think the whole thing like fans shouldn't have to fund this. This should be coming from the television contracts. Oh, I'll never give one penny. Okay, so Not we're one. on the same page there. Um, my point is, whoever Kevin Casper's kid is, and he could go on to become the next um, Justin Jefferson, for all I know. I He's not worth name, image, and likeness at this minute, seven figures. No, he's not. I, I think Phil Knight, I think Phil, and it's not just Oregon. Obviously, other no. schools are doing this the same. Yeah. But I, I think Phil Knight is absolutely trying to, buy a title before he dies and okay that's fine he's got the money and it's within uh, apparently within the rules right now and when i say i'm not going to give a dime i'm not I, i'm for the kids getting paid too uh, i had someone reach out to me recently wanting my assistance input or something relative to the swarm they swarm nil or, or some type of promotional help and i said hey i appreciate you thinking of me i'm just going to pass this just isn't this just isn't my thing. I want the kids to get paid. Congratulations. Go get yours while you can. I'm not against that. I'm just never going to give the Iowa athletic department any money. I wouldn't give any athletic department money. I, if, I'm going to give money to other things I feel are more important than sports. Um, but you're right. The fans should not expect to have to pay the freight, but the fans have been paying the freight quite frankly for quite some time. Yeah. 
And, you know, obviously now the Big 12 is going to be moving up to the 50 million plus a year barrier to the Big 10, 70 to 80. So, you know, there's less of a burden on the fans now than maybe before, but it's not going to be spun that way. It's now going to be like, hey, we may not need your donations for facilities upgrades because we've got the money for that. We need your donations now because we need to keep these players in the state. And to me, um, maybe I'm old, maybe it's a generational thing. That is just not something I'm interested in. I'd rather, you know, send a hundred dollars to Raphael Warnock to beat Herschel Walker. I'd be a lot more sympathetic to. Which I did. <laughs> I'd be a lot more sympathetic to. <laughs> this doesn't really happen in our state that much. I guess they're paying some salaries at Iowa State right now, but like, I mean the the whole deal at Auburn, like they're going to be paying <laughs> sixty million dollars to people who don't work. In the it's, Scott Frost thing, and it's just, I would be more sympathetic to the industry if we didn't have all this just wasted money that's just floating around out there. It's unbelievable the amount of you know, dead cap space that that Auburn has, that LSU has, that so many of these programs have, because their fan bases are absolute um, fanatics. And I'm not like saying that in a good way. It's just like football has become a religion. Uh, or, or an you know incredibly powerful idol for so many, man. I, I there's been too many topics today where I've got on a soapbox and sounded sanctimonious. I, I really try not to be that way. But again, maybe it's you know 51. I'm waxing poetic because my oldest daughter just turned 20 last night. And, You're going to um, Joshua Tree. I but I'm like going to Joshua very, Tree. Like it's just, a very spiritual place. I have never vision, been there. It's a vision quest. I'm going to vision quest. I feel like you're going. I, I feel like a guy goes to Joshua Tree to get in touch with his inner self and the outer self and, and, and nature and the spirit realm. You and your get wife going to be, little, little you and your fire. wife going to be listening to one of those like feminist audio books on the way out there. Doubtful because that is not my particular brand of, uh, entertainment. Um, however, I do appreciate and enjoy this distillation process that happens because she'll be reading something and, and putting together a workbook. She, she does, you know, online um, seminars and things like that. And she'll send me things. And I'm actually thinking of starting a separate Twitter account so I can tweet out some of these things that she sends me that are just absolutely jaw dropping. Like, I cannot believe this. Um, I cannot believe what I was indoctrinated in and why I did not open boxes until later in life in my head that I basically said, I'm not going to open because it's going to mess with me. So no, we will not be listening to feminist podcasts, but I will absolutely love to hear all that she has to tell me from the amazing world of information that she uncovers on you a daily are, basis. You are quite the, quite the husband. All right. Well, uh, have a safe trip out there. And um, will you do me a favor and will you take a picture of a Joshua tree? Oh, fuck yes, I will, dude. I'll take more than one. All these, you know, listen, you know, and let's not get any details. You know, I'm probably going to be texting you quite a bit at night when I'm out <laughs> in Joshua Tree, just letting you know what I'm seeing, what I might be feeling. My yeah, unity, I'm looking forward to this. My, this my oneness with the universe. So, uh, so yeah, so it'll be fun. I'll send, right. I'll send some photos. All right. This was fun. Good show. Uh, maybe we'll do this a little earlier in the week. Sometimes going forward, we'll just, we'll decide. He's John Miller. My name is Chris Williams. Thanks so much for listening, everybody.
Iowa everywhere.